Welcome back to Inside Fantasy Football. Today we're going to cover the NFC North Division, and we are also going to try to attempt to cover the NFC West Division. I've got about an hour to get them both covered. We're going to try to cover all eight teams within the hour. So we don't have much time to talk about news of the day or anything like that. We are going to jump right into covering all the teams in the two divisions and all players, fantasy-relevant players, on each team in each division. You can get in touch with me at toddsfantasypicks at gmail.com. That's toddsfantasypicks at gmail.com. Or you can hit me up at tw- on Twitter at InsideFFWT. Our Twitter handle is at InsideFFWT. All right, we're going to jump right off the bat into the NFC North division. I've got the Bears winning the division. I've got Minnesota right with them at the end fighting for the division and the wild card and or I'm leaning toward the Bears winning the division. Minnesota will be right there. I've got the Packers fading back to around 500 and then the Lions bottoming out with a five or six win season. That's just how I see it. The Lions are not very talented. The Packers still seem to be in a transition period with me. And I don't trust the way Aaron Rodgers is, is sounding coming out of camp with this new coaching staff. I think he's in that diva mode in his career. He's a very good quarterback, you know, guaranteed hall of famer. There's something going on there. There's just, I don't feel a lot of continuity coming out of green Bay. So I have them at a distant third. It's Minnesota and Chicago fighting for the division all year. I do have Chicago edging out Minnesota by the end of the year. As far as Minnesota goes, they've got a very good quarterback in Kirk Cousins. He could be a, he has the talent to be top 12 week in, week out. It'll be a little inconsistent with their new approach with the offense there. But I do think Kirk Cousins is a good quarterback. Definitely a strong quarterback in two quarterback or super flex leagues. Uh, top 12 standard leagues, I personally am not a Kirk Cousins guy. I'd rather let him be either a backup for somebody or I'll get him on uh, waivers if needed. Dalvin Cook is an RB1 superstar. If you can get him at the back end of round ones, going into round two, top end on the snake, pair him with the top end receiver or another running back, you're set. He is going to have a giant year. Barring injury, I know he's had the history of injuries, Dalvin Cook is going to blow up this year. There's not a doubt in my mind. The whole offense is going to be geared around him. His handcuff would be Madison. I would not draft Madison or Abdullah at this time. They are not worthy uh, handcuffs at this point. Madison's been very disappointing. If Dalvin Cook goes down, Minnesota's season's going to change drastically. At wide receiver, Thielen is a strong fourth rounder. Diggs is a strong fourth rounder as well. They Believe it or not, they go in around the same, uh, two different types of receivers, but they're going around the same area ADP-wise. I think Diggs is usually a few spots ahead of Thielen. Thielen's probably a little stronger in PPR, but they're both very good wide receivers. I think when you get to that back into the third, fourth round, when you run into the Diggs-Thielen area, it's really up to you. I'm more of a Thielen guy, but Diggs puts up numbers too. He is a spectacular talent. Uh, either of those receivers in the fourth round area, beginning of the fourth round area, is a good spot to start your receiving core or as a wide receiver too on your team. Very strong. So both are very fantasy relevant receivers. They recently signed Josh Dotson from the Redskins. Uh, he is not fantasy relevant at this time. Kyle Rudolph. Only in standard leagues, somewhat relevant back end of a top 12. He's one of those guys that right before you totally give up on tight end, if you want to go snag uh, somebody in the 12th round, 11th round, you can go for Kyle Rudolph there. Uh, he's not going to win you weeks, uh, but he's usually pretty steady, and he'll give you you know between 5, 10 points on a floor and maybe more in a PPR. Uh, but not huge on Kyle Rudolph. I don't have any shares of him in any of my leagues. There's just something about the way him and this offense play. Maybe this new approach will be better with the play action that Kubiak likes to run. I think you'll see more Rudolph out in the open, but you're not talking about a tight end that can run really fast. He's just a big guy with hands. Uh, He's not going to kill you either. If you totally drop tight end and get to the back of a draft of Rudolph's there, he's not a guy if you lost out on all the top tight ends. He's not a bad back end guy at all. The defense is a top 10 Possibly top five. I'm leaning definitely top five. 
fantasy defense. So Minnesota's defense, when you get to that 11th, 12th round, it's usually when people start snagging defenses, they're not a bad defense to jump on. All right, we're going to move on to the Chicago Bears. Uh, we're going to get Mitch Trubisky out of the way. He is only fantasy relevant in two quarterback leagues. He's in, barely in the top 24 for me at this point. I have to see the kid actually do it. We know the talent is there, uh, but we don't ever see him realize it. He's just This year, it looks like he's getting better. Everything coming out of camp sounds great. So I do think there is hope for Trubisky, but on the fantasy side of things, I don't think he's very relevant at this time. They have a strong running back core, and I think that's going to be the core of this offense in rushing and receiving. I think they are going to be the heartbeat of this offense, the running back group. We'll start with Tariq Cohen. In PPR, he's still going to be very valuable. He's going to be a big part of that passing game. I do think they're going to run a lot of sets with both backs on the field. I think when it's a single back passing situation, it'll still be mostly Cohen. But Montgomery's going to be heavily used in this offense. And he's very, very valuable. So I have Montgomery ahead of Cohen in value in all formats. Because Montgomery's going to get the load running the ball. And he's going to play a good portion either side-by-side or on his own in the passing game because he has great hands, runs great routes. Everything coming out of camp from the coaches say he's just spectacular in the passing game. A great blocker, runs great routes, he's got hands. Montgomery covers all the checks. And I know he doesn't test well, he didn't run a fast 40. None of that matters. Sometimes you just get a football player. And that's what David Montgomery is. He's a running back. He is a football player. He doesn't need the blazing speed. So we're going to uh, move on. Really, the only two there, Mike Davis is not draftable at this time unless you just want to handcuff Montgomery. Last pick of a draft or whatever, that would be fine with Mike Davis. He is not too valuable at this point because the Cohen-Montgomery they pretty much are going to suck up that backfield at this point. They're Neither one of them are very injury-prone. So I think Mike Davis is really a streamer guy at this point on the waiver wire in case of an injury. Snag him if you have a deep team. In deep teams, he's a good handcuff. We'll move on to the wide receiver core. You've got Anthony Miller. Uh, I think he's a back-end-of-a-draft flyer guy. Uh, Allen Robinson is really the only viable receiver fantasy-wise for this team for me. Taylor Gabriel is a back-end-of-the-draft guy if you want to take a flyer on him. I don't see this offense chunking the ball around too much. The only receiver that has a chance to be a decent wide receiver, too, would be Allen Robinson. Going about the 6th, 7th round, I would wait till the 8th round and let somebody else take the risk earlier than the 8th round on Allen Robinson. Should be... uh, a little bit of an uptick from last year. I think him and Trubisky have another year under their belt. I think they should work better together. I just don't know if he's ever going to be that wide receiver one that he was for a few years there in Jacksonville. But Allen Robinson, seventh, eighth round, it's really up to you. I would wait till the eighth round. Trey Burton, I don't think he's going to be much different than last year. I would take a flyer on him at the end of a draft or just let him hit waivers. If you need a tight end with through injury or whatever down the road, I think he's going to be sitting on a lot of waiver wires. He's not the player that we thought he was going to be. Chicago's defense is a great IDP. They should be very, very valuable. If you get to that 10th, 11th round, 12th round, whenever you guys start taking defenses, whenever if you want to be that first guy, go for it. If you need a defense that you think is uh, that, that needs to score every week to help out maybe a weaker draft that you had, Chicago is a very, very good defense to do that with. I think they're going to score a ton of points in fantasy, They're going to be very, very valuable this year. So Chicago's IDP, very, very valuable. And Minnesota as well. They're not to the level of Chicago, but both Chicago and Minnesota, I believe, are top five fantasy defenses. Uh, Green Bay is the next team we're going to talk about. I am not huge on Green Bay. I think that... There's a lot of questions with the new coaching staff coming in. Aaron Rodgers seems like he's a little bit tougher to coach at this time. I don't know exactly what's going to happen with him. Uh, He's a great, trust me, it's Aaron Rodgers. Hall of Famer, I get it. I'm not saying he's going anywhere or anything bad's going to happen. But there's just statements he's saying the the offense isn't where it needs to be. Certain things coming out of camp that kind of worries me. I don't know if he has quite the weapons that he would like to have around him either. 
And anytime you bring in a new offense, a totally new scheme, there's going to be some struggles adjusting, and I think that's what's happening as well. That's what I'm worried about with this season. I don't think they're going to be horrible. I think they're going to be around 500 this year. They're not going to make the playoffs. And I think that's going to affect Aaron Rodgers. I really do. I think he's just one of those guys that likes to win. And anytime he's in a situation where he's not winning too much, it gets pretty ugly pretty quick. This will affect the entire roster, I believe. Aaron Rodgers is still going to be drafted in the mid-rounds, and he should be. Very good quarterback. He's not going to quit throwing the ball. And that's one of the reasons why I'm not huge on Aaron Jones. I think no matter what Aaron likes to check out, to the anytime there's a run play, there's about a 50% chance that guy's going to audible out of it. He is not big on running the ball. He wants it to be the Aaron show all the time. I don't blame him. He's a very, very good quarterback. But I just don't trust this team around him. I really don't. I, not yet. I got to see it. We'll see how the season starts for them. But Aaron Rodgers is still a very valuable mid-range uh Back in top 12 quarter. No, mid mid top 12. I'd say around five or six is where I've got him ranked. Uh, he's not top three like he used to be, at least for me. Maybe that'll change going into the season. But going into the season, I've got Aaron Rodgers in that seventh, eighth round range. Uh, he is a strong top 12 quarterback, but he's not a top tier quarterback at this point for me. I just don't think he has the weapons around him. We're going to move on to the running backs. Aaron Jones, love the talent. I I get why people are taking him so high in drafts. I have no shares of Aaron Jones. I just don't trust a guy that is constantly having hamstring and knee issues. And that is what Aaron Jones has been going through for a couple years now. I just don't trust it. If he stays healthy, he's going to have a big year. He's that type of talent. He just has to stay healthy. And I think that is asking a lot. I haven't seen it happen yet. So Aaron Jones... Uh, will still be going in the fourth round. If you start no running back or draft for some reason, two or three receivers to start your draft, you're going to end up with an Aaron Jones, your RB1. That's a risk you have to take in that situation. But if you're not in a situation like that, I would probably try to get around Aaron Jones at the draft position that he's going in. There's other guys in that area that I think could give you more value. Really just off of the injury issues, I just don't see the kid playing more than 8 to 10 games at the most. I think that's a ceiling. Always battle. He's already battled the hamstring injury in camp. Jamal Williams, a decent handcuff because of the injuries to Jones. So I do think Jamal Williams at the back drafts is definitely worth the flyer. And if you've got deep drafts, I think the sleeper in this backfield could be Dexter Williams out of Notre Dame, the rookie. I just don't know how quick that would happen. It would take a double injury to Jones and Williams. Now, that happened in the preseason. Both of them were dealing with hamstrings, so we'll see how that plays out. So, deep sleeper dynasty, Dexter Williams is not a bad uh, kid to get. Uh, but in standard, redraft, seasonal leagues, right now, Dexter Williams does not have any fantasy value. Jamal Williams, handcuff, Aaron Jones, strong RB2. Wide receivers, Devonta Adams is a first-round talent wide receiver back into the first round. Him and Aaron should connect quite a bit. It should be a uh, very, very good for fantasy owners uh, if you have that combo. If not, Adams on his own will be a very strong wide receiver one. The rest of the wide receiving core is a little rough. Uh, MVS, Marquez Valdez-Scantling's got a little bit of value to him in the back of drafts, double-digit rounds. Geronimo Allison, same thing. I think around the 10th, 11th round, he's going to be running the slot there. He will get some values. Big guy with hands. Uh, Aaron Rodgers likes that combo. So I do think Allison could be the sleeper in the receiving core. Adams, strong wide receiver one. Geronimo Allison, uh, wide receiver three. Back end of the eighth, I'd say eighth, ninth round. Somewhere around there. Maybe 10th round for Allison. And then Valdez Scantling, back of drafts, take a flyer on him. Jimmy Graham, to me, is not a top 12 tight end. I don't think he's draftable in most drafts. I see him on the waiver wire in a lot of my drafts. I just don't think he's the same player. Everything coming out of camp is reiterating that, that the guy has lost a step. The hands aren't quite there. He's never been a great blocker. I just don't see Aaron Jones... I mean, I just don't see Jimmy Graham turning in 
to what he used to be overnight. It's just not going to happen. So Jimmy Graham, to me, is not a draftable tight end. If you're in a deep, deep league, dynasty league, or just a deep league, uh, you could take a flyer on him. He is going to be in an Aaron Rodgers offense. There's always that possibility of having a big week or two here and there. Not a bad flyer at the very end of drafts in deep leagues only. Jimmy Graham. Sounds so strange talking about Jimmy Graham like he's just a cast-off. It's wild. But, uh, you know, they get older. Players age and their bodies get beat up. And that's what happened to Jimmy Graham. I think he's just reaching that point of body has taken a beating for a long time. He's just not the player he used to be. All right, we're going to move on to the team I have finishing last in the division. Main reason why is there's just... Matthew Stafford is not what he used to be. The offense is set up to run the ball quite a bit. It's going to be the carry on Johnson show. So uh, the receivers lose a lot of value. Fantasy wise on offense, this team's a mess outside of carry on. Matthew Stafford has no fantasy value outside of two quarterback super flex leagues. Carry on Johnson is a strong RB2. He should be taken in the sec- back into the second, top of the third round in most leagues. CJ Anderson is the end of the draft slash check your waiver wire handcuff for Carry on Johnson. He does have some fantasy relevance. The receiving core is a mess in Detroit. Uh, Galladay is a sixth, seventh rounder. Outside of him, you've got Marvin Jones, the ninth, 10th round. He's a little bit underrated. Marvin Jones usually is a steady scoring guy. He's not going to win weeks for you, but he's not bad either. So I've got Marvin Jones in that eighth, ninth round spot. Not a bad flyer to take in that uh, spot. Galladay's a little risky in the sixth or seventh round. I've seen him go as early as the fifth round. That is too early for Galladay. And my t- I have no shares of Galladay because people take him so early. To me, he should be taken in the 7th, 8th round. I just don't see this offense producing much. That receiving core is pretty brutal in Detroit. Just their overall team, they're just hurting in a lot of spots. Carry on is the only excitement, really. Two, two players. I'm about to talk about another player. I'm excited about two players on that Detroit offense. Carry on Johnson, just as everybody else is, and TJ Hawkinson, the tight end. They just drafted out of Iowa. 6'5", 247, got great hands, has good wheels. He's got the makings to be a great tight end. They're going to start the season with Jesse James as their starter. But it won't be long. There are going to be a lot of two tight end sets, and it will not be long before Hawkinson is the go-to guy at tight end there in Detroit. And I think he's got big-time talent to put up good points down the road. I don't know about this year, but I do think by the second half of this year, Hawkinson will make that next step and make a huge splash onto the scene at tight end. I know in my dynasty leagues, I took him first round in my rookie drafts in my dynasty leagues and all of them. I just think he's a future scoring hands tight end, kind of like what Kelsey is. And they don't come around very often. As you can see, in, you know, there's only two or three of them in the NFL right now. So there, anytime you can get one of those guys early or take a chance on him in this redraft, I do think he's going to have fantasy relevance quickly this year. I think by week three or four, he will be the hands-down tight end one on Detroit. And he could be a top six tight end in the league. The only thing that would hold him back is the Detroit offense as a whole. I think it's going to be putrid, and I think that's going to affect him a little bit. But I also think he's going to be an outlet for Stafford. If Stafford doesn't have time or receivers are not getting open, I do think Hawkinson is going to be that big boy he's going to dump it off to in the flats to see what he can do in open field with his athletic ability and his size and his hands. Hawkinson has got all of the attributes you want in a tight end. Uh, do I think he's going to kill it week one? No, I do think if you're going to start Hawkinson or if you draft Hawkinson late in, a, in in any draft at this point, you should have drafted a tight end on the back. I have one with Eric Ebron maybe starting the year in one of my leagues, and I have Hawkinson on the bench right now, and I kind of want to see what happens in week one too. I think Ebron is going to have a connection with Brissett. If not, I think the kid by week two or three should be getting his game speed down. And I think from there on out, he could be a tight end one. So that's kind of how I'm approaching T- Hawkinson in Detroit is he's probably, you, you might have to draft two tight ends when you draft him just to get the season started. Once he gets off and going, you can drop that other tight end and go grab somebody off the waiver wire. 
A lot of that depends on how deep you are. That has been my approach so far. We're going to move on to the NFC West division. I have got the Rams winning the division yet again this year. Probably a 12-team win, a 12-team season, a 12-win season for the Rams. And then I've got Seattle finishing right behind them. They just picked up Jadavion Clowney from uh, through via trade from the Texans. They've got Russell Wilson, Carson, Lockett. They're ready to go there in Seattle. Good, decent defense. I think Clowney really upgrades the defense quite a bit. And he gives them that pass rusher that they really, really need in Seattle. And you put that together with Russell Wilson with his extreme efficiency. And Chris Carson ready to blow up and be a superstar. I got Seattle right there battling for a wild card. I do think they'll probably get around 10 wins. So I, st- I have them a couple wins behind the Rams, but a very strong candidate for a wild card, the Seattle Seahawks. And then San Francisco, I think, is going to get a little bit better along with Arizona, but there's just not enough talent on both those teams for them to vie for anything. I think San Francisco will be around 500. I've got Arizona having a 6-7 win season. We're going to start with the L.A. Rams. First thing you want to get to on the Rams that everybody's going to ask, and I don't blame anybody for asking, is the Todd Gurley situation. I would take Gurley in the third round. I have no shares because of this, of Gurley. I wait till I feel like there's no way I could take somebody with his. The talent is amazing. But you know this guy's not going to play a full load. He's got degenerative issues in his legs. That's not good for a running back. And he's not going to be the guy that won you leagues like he did a couple years ago. That's just not going to happen. There's just there's no way that's going to happen, not with his medical condition. Do I think he's going to be very valuable probably the first six to eight weeks of the season? Absolutely. And he could win you some weeks in those first few weeks of the season because he's going to be fresh. But season long, into the season, halfway through the season, towards playoffs, towards the end of the season, do I think he's going to burn you? Probably. So Gurley is in that category I like to call he's a must-handcuff guy. The only way you get Gurley is you make sure a couple rounds later you get Henderson. And take Henderson early because if you wait on Henderson, he goes way too early in drafts. So you're going to have to feel your draft out, but make sure you are the first guy to jump on him because if you take Gurley without any handcuff, you're setting yourself up for trouble or you just better make sure your running back depth is very, very nice overall. So Gurley is a third rounder with risk. Henderson is about a sixth, seventh rounder. One of the top handcuffs in the league because of Gurley's situation. And they will use Henderson in a beautiful way there in L.A. if Gurley is out of the picture. He will get time in the running and the passing game. Is he a Gurley talent? No. But he could be a very, very valuable handcuff that could step in and save your weeks. Jared Goff is a back end of the draft quarterback. A very strong two-quarterback, superflex quarterback. Uh, but in standard 12-team leagues, Goff is a back end of those. I've seen him on waiver wires as well. The way that offense is, you need to take Goff at the back end of the QB1 tiers. He should be taking about 10th, 11th, 12th off the board just because of that offense. I'm not a huge Goff guy, but that offense is built for quarterbacks to put up points. Then you got the three-headed monster at receiver here. It's the best three wide receivers set in the NFL, Brandon Cooks, Cooper Cup, and Robert Woods. Uh, Cup and Woods are going together in about the middle, back into the fourth round. Brandon Cooks is going at the top end of the fourth round. They're kind of bunched together. Cooks is definitely ahead of the other two. Uh, I would have Woods as a strong second and Cup with just because. Only reason why I have Woods ahead of Cup is because of the risk of injury. So... If I had a choice, and you will get to this point in the fourth round if you haven't drafted yet, or if you have, we'll, we'll talk about it. It's really your choice. Once you get to that area of there's Woods, Cup, and a little earlier there's Cooks, you just got to pick your poison. Uh, I usually, Cooks is a little rich for me. I end up with a lot of shares of Woods and Cup. A little too much. I, I'm a very heavy running back drafter in all my leagues. So I get stuck with a lot of wide receivers too, wide receiver twos leading the way in my receiving cores. So I 
in saying that, I end up with a lot of shares of your Woods, Cup, Godwin, Galladay, that era of area of receivers. It's tough. It's it can be tough at times, but it it wins. I win most of the time with this approach over the years. It's always been my approach to get running backs early and make sure you're not running around looking for running backs. You can always find receivers on the waiver wire, especially in any kind of PPR. Standard, it's pretty tough. But in any other format, you can always, always find wide receivers on the waiver wire. Running backs, not so much. They're very hard to come by. They go quick and they go early, and there's never any good running backs on the waiver wire. It's very, very difficult. So Cooks, Woods, Cup, top end of the fourth Cooks, middle of the fourth Woods, back end of the fourth Cooper Cup. And a lot of people are going to tell you Cooper Cup had the injury last year. They're saying he has looked great. His leg looks even better than it did before. He's running faster times than he did before the injury. That being said, there still is a little bit of risk. He was a top 20 wide receiver last year before he got hurt. Cooper Cup. He was a top 20 wide receiver last year before he got hurt. Very, very good before he blew that knee. So we'll see where he ends up. I've got a ton of shares of Cup. So I'm, I'm very much so in on Cooper Cup and Robert Woods. Any of those three in the fourth round should do you really, really, really well. All of them are strong wide receiver twos in my point, in, in my, the way I look at it. Cooks is not a wide receiver one. I keep hearing that from certain people. He's not a wide receiver one. They spread it around there in L.A. Cooks is still going to get a good share, and he's going to make the plays to put him ahead of the other two. But they're all wide receiver twos in L.A. The tight end uh, position is not too relevant in L.A. If you get really desperate deep leagues, I'd probably lean toward Gerald Everett this year. But I would probably stay away from tight end and from the Rams. It's just they don't use their tight ends too much in the uh, splash plays. It's, it's a lot going to the receivers. They've got a decent backfield with Henderson and Gurley now. There is not much space for the tight end to thrive in L.A. Their defense is a top 10. A lot of people have them as a top 5. I don't have them quite there. But they are a top 10 defense in fantasy, the LA Rams. Just loaded. I mean, they on paper, the Rams, it's unfair, honestly, on both sides of the ball. That team is set up to win the Super Bowl this year. We'll see. Got to play the year. There's injuries. There's all kinds of angles. But going into the season... The Rams are a giant paper tiger. I mean, they look really, really good. All right, we're going to move on to the Seattle Seahawks. I mentioned them when I gave my predictions on how the division's going to finish with the Clowney trade. I am excited for the Seahawks team. I think they're going to be a strong 10-11 win team this year. And that's overshooting a lot of people. A lot of people have them more towards a 500 season. I don't. I think they're ready. Uh... Russell Wilson is going to be the same guy he's always been. Great leader, great talent. Very, very efficient. Doesn't throw a ton, but when he does, it's for chunks of yards. He can run. He can do it all. Russell Wilson is a strong middle-round, seventh, eighth-round quarterback to take. You could even go a little bit higher than most people. I think he's going to have a great year this year with what he's got set up around him. He's just that type of talent. No matter what offensive system he is in, Russell Wilson will always be productive. So if you miss on that top tier of quarterbacks, that second tier, Russell Wilson's one of those guys you can take in the sixth or seventh round and be very happy about it. He's not going to hurt you. We're going to move on to their deepest spot, in my opinion, running back. Chris Carson, right off the bat, is an RB1. He's being drafted as an RB2, RB3. And as late as the fourth round in some drafts early, and I think people are catching on now going into the season, Chris Carson is going to have a giant season. He's going to possibly win people leagues this year. They're using him more in the passing game. They love him early downs because he runs hard. He fights for those yards. He's going to get you that four, five, six yards that you need early in a series of downs. With him being used in the passing game more and they're making an effort to use him in the passing game more, that is only better for fantasy owners. Carson, for me, is one of the biggest, I say sleeper because he was expected to be just a strong RB2. I've got Carson as a possible top eight running back RB1 this year. 
he is going to win people leagues this year, Chris Carson. Now, as any running back, any player in the NFL, you need him to stay healthy. That's how I'm, I think he's primed and ready going into this season healthy. Chris Carson, hands down, if you get to that third round, be happy to take him. Be happy to take him. Don't wait, because by the fourth round, he's gone. Rashad Penny, yes, I think he's going to get more touches. He's not going to steal much from Carson. They're going to use him in certain passing situations. They're going to use him when Carson gets a little bit tired. But anytime they're in the red zone, it's not going to be Rashad Penny. It's going to be Chris Carson. He's going to get the pay dirt. Rashad Penny is a true handcuff. If anything happens to Carson, and Carson does have a history of injuries, Rashad Penny, to me, if you're a Carson owner, it is not a bad idea to get Penny in those double, early double-digit rounds. It really isn't. I have a heavy dose of Carson in all my leagues, and most of those, I got snaked in a few, but in most of those leagues, I got Penny just in case. Because if Carson goes down, it's going to be the Rashad Penny show. It may not be as pretty as Carson here at the beginning of the year, but Penny will be given that chance if Carson goes down to take the load. So we'll see. If you take Carson, reach back and take Penny in that eighth, ninth round to give you a strong handcuff. And I think Penny at times might have standalone value even with Carson. That is how this offense is going to work. Heavy running back usage, similar to the Chicago Bears, similar to the Baltimore Ravens. So both running backs, very, very good. Receiving core is a little bit of a risk. There's one guy that is not a risk that I think he has proven over time that Russell Wilson likes to use him. They get chunks of yards. He's very efficient with Russell. Doesn't make have many drops. He's just not a flashy name. I've got him in a few leagues because people sleep on him. Tyler Lockett, I think, is going to have a great year at wide receiver for the Seattle Seahawks. If you can snag him in those mid-rounds, Back even later, I got him in one draft. I think it was the twelfth round, or no, it was the tenth round. Like people just forgot about Tyler Lockett, tenth, eleventh round, somewhere around there. It was late, and he was sitting. You can see, you know, where people are choosing. I mean, they were picking receivers five and six spots below him, and he was still sitting at the top of that thing. I couldn't believe it. Lockett's going to have again. It's I get it. It's the Seahawks, the run heavy offense that scares a lot of people off. Russell still gets his. He's a superstar for a reason. It isn't just because they run the ball and he runs the ball. He still throws the ball, loves that play action. They lull you to sleep with the running. And then Russell loves to play action and roll out. Then you've got to decide if you're going to play him on the run or the pass. And he makes you make that decision. And he kills you with that accurate deep ball. That's where Lockett comes into play. That's where DK Metcalf could come into play down the line. Lockett is really the only draftable receiver, I believe, at this point. I think DK Metcalf is a flyer at the end of drafts that has the potential. It's a pretty decent ceiling. He's a big kid. The only thing with DK is he's been dealing with injuries all preseason. He dealt with injuries in college. That's what caused him to fall in the draft. So Metcalf is a very risky take. I believe he's just a stash guy, not even a risk. He's just a stash guy, kind of see what happens, see how this offense evolves this year, see what happens. Uh, He may surprise some people, DK Metcalf. He's a big, big rookie, 6'4", 229. That's a big boy at receiver out of Ole Miss. Very, very, very good pickup for the Seahawks, I believe. I do think he's going to pay off. I just don't know how quick he's going to pay off this year, DK Metcalf. Until then... Tyler Lockett's their locked-in wide receiver one in Seattle, and I think he's going to uh, give people some steady, steady points at flex or wide receiver two for a lot of people. Tight end, Ed Dixon, Disley. Uh, I really, I don't really suggest drafting any Seattle tight end. They have their moments. There's just nothing consistent with their tight ends in Seattle. The defense is uh, draftable at the end of drafts. If everybody had taken a defense, there's not much left. They're not expected to do very well this year. But with the addition of Clowney, I think it changes. They're going to have a pass rush. That's going to help out their defensive backfield. So I do think their defense is, is going to be better than people think. That's one thing about Pete Carroll. He always always has scrappy defenses every year year in year out no matter what people think and i do think they're gonna be scrappy they're gonna be a defense if you didn't draft any defenses you waited till the last round to draft your defense there's nothing left there you're probably gonna see seattle not a bad time to take them and they are playing cincinnati week one 
they should do pretty well scoring-wise week one against Cincinnati, the Seattle defense. All right, we're going to move on to a team that I'm uh, somewhat excited about. Uh, They're a mystery a little bit to everybody at this point because they haven't been able to show anything. Uh, The Arizona Cardinals, to me, have the the possibility. There's always that one team every year that shocks everybody, that everybody had finishing in the dweller-seller area. And they shock everybody, and they win nine games and finish nine and seven right outside wild card or maybe in the wild card conversation going into the last week of the season. I think Arizona has a slight possibility to be that team. I really do. If Kyler Murray blows up like I think he could, I don't know if he will. He doesn't have an offensive line. But if he does play to his ceiling, I think the Arizona Cardinals could be a sleeper team as far as winning eight, nine games battling for a wild card. If I was put on the spot and had to make a decision right now what I thought the Cardinals were going to finish, I think they're going to finish 6-10. and 10. I think Kyler's going to be good but not great. I think greatness could come in the second year with Kyler. I think this offense is going to have to make adjustments. A lot of people are worried about the defense. Defenses will adjust in the NFL pretty quick to any type of offense. I think the Cardinals are going to have to find their groove against NFL defenses. They've got no offensive line. They do have David Johnson. I think there's going to be moments where they look really good, depending on who they're playing, a team with a weaker defense. And I think there's going to be moments where they look pretty rough when they're playing the stronger teams within the division like Seattle and the L.A. Rams. Kyler Murray will start at quarterback, I think is going to be a very serviceable top 12 quarterback, right around the 10th, 11th ranked quarterback in the NFL on average this year. He's going to get you some running points. Possibly a touchdown here and there running. I think he's going to be pretty efficient passing the ball. He might have his moments with interceptions just because of the rookie uh, adjustment to NFL speed and the way defenses adjust and hide their formations pretty well. Uh, They're going to spy Kyler quite a bit. And these NFL defenses are not going to mess around. I just don't think he's going to come in and light it up. He's not Pat Mahomes, but I do think he's going to be a top 12 quarterback. So he's a back-end top 12 quarterback going into the season just because I think what the potential is with this offense and with his talent. So I would wait and just take him at the end of the draft, let everybody else take their quarterbacks. I know right now he's going about the 10th round. So I guess when the quarterbacks start coming off the board, the top two tiers are gone. Once your Russell Wilsons are gone, and in that area, maybe – I hate to say take Kyler before the 10th round. You really need to wait until the 11th round for Kyler Murray. Anybody before the 11th round, it's just too much of a risk. They have no offensive line. It's a bunch of rookies running around. They're bringing in guys off the street in Arizona to play. It's not going to be pretty. Defense could be a tiny bit scrappier than people think, but I don't think it's going to be enough to make them any better. So I do think Kyler, yes, top 12 I wouldn't run out and hurt yourself getting Kyler Murray. If he's there in that 11th round, fine. If you're really, really hungry for Kyler, 9th or 10th round, go get him. He should be there. David Johnson, everybody's got him as a top five running back. I really think he's more of a top 10 back into the top 10 just because there's no line. He's going to be using the passing game quite a bit, so I do think he gets a huge bump in PPR. Still a very good running back. I just don't know. It doesn't matter how good you are if you have no lanes. And that offensive line so far has looked really, really bad. It's one of the worst lines in the league. That worries me with Johnson and Murray. I think it knocks them both down a bit. But Johnson is still a good... uh, He's being drafted as an RB1. I think he's a very strong top-end RB2. The receivers are a little... Confusing because everybody that knows this offense from college, the way it's ran, it's a spread around, move the ball around type offense. So I don't know how much value one receiver is going to have, but if I had one guy to pick, it would be Larry Legend, Larry Fitzgerald. I think he's going to come back in his possibly his last year with something to prove. I think he's a big target for Kyler. If he gets in trouble, he's going to be like an outlet for for Kyler. If the that line, which looks like it's not going to be able to hold back much, 
There's going to be a lot of outlet passing to David Johnson and to Larry Fitzgerald, Ricky Seals-Jones, whoever's at tight end. It hurts Christian Kirk. It hurts Michael Crabtree because I feel like they're better down the field a bit. And I just don't know how much time Kyler's going to have. I know he's going to be already in the shotgun. Even so, that offensive line is going to struggle to keep him from moving around. And moving around, you just don't know what's going to happen. I have to see it happen. Kyler Murray could be. It looks like he's better on the run. Maybe that's going to be his thing, on the run, hit Kirk deep. So if you want to take Christian Kirk, ninth, 10th round would be my guess. Go for it. Go for it. I think he could be uh, – he's a risky guy when taking him as your wide receiver two. To me, he's a three – wide receiver three, four. Crabtree is a flyer at the end of drafts or let him hit the waiver wire. Fitzgerald's an eighth rounder for me. I think he's going to have a good year. Take him in that eighth round, ninth round, Larry Fitzgerald, and feel okay about it. I don't think he's going to win you weeks. He's not going to hurt you either. He's going to get his targets. He's going to get the ball. He's going to be looked for in the red zone. I think Larry Fitzgerald, I almost want to put him in the sleeper category. I think he's going to have a strong year. So if you kind of have a weak wide receiver core, you're trying to load up in those middle rounds. There's not much there. Usually Fitzgerald is there and take him in that eighth round. He'll be sitting there for you. Tight end. uh, Oh, it's looking like they're going with Charles Clay at tight end. Interesting. Uh, Charles Clay, to me, there is no fantasy value in Arizona at tight end at this point. Zero. And Max Williams is their other tight end. He's not going to do anything for you on the fantasy front. The defense is not fantasy related. I know I'm going to get questions through the emails. I get this guy asked about all the time. There, He's one of the most asked about Arizona guys, and I don't know why. Maybe I didn't watch enough of him in college. But Andy Isbella is not going to be fantasy relevant yet. I, I don't see how, with the way that receiving core is set up, how he's going to get enough targets to do anything. If there was one sleeper in that receiving core outside of Larry Fitzgerald, for me, it would be Keyshawn Johnson. But he's not even draftable going into the season either. But though that's the guy, if I had to watch one guy in that Arizona offense, would be Keyshawn. Now, in PPR, maybe Isabella will be decent in PPR. Maybe a little Danny Amendola feel to him. We'll see. We'll see. Maybe in PPR. But right now, with the way this offense is going to be spreading it around, run and shoot style, Fitzgerald is really the only viable option. With Kirk being a viable option as well, but with a little bit more risk. Because Kyler's going to need time to throw it deep. I don't know how much time he's going to have to throw it deep. His legs are going to have to give him that time. Maybe that's a good thing. So if you get Kirk in that 8th, ninth, 10th round, not a bad thing to sit on that and just kind of see what happens because it could be a great connection between Kirk and Kyler. We'll see. We'll see. But Kirk, to me, is behind Fitzgerald, even though a lot of the ADPs have Kirk ahead of Fitzgerald. I think that needs to be back, you know, turned around. That's backwards. Fitzgerald is a safe bet. Not a winner. I don't think he's going to go win you a league. But Fitzgerald is a very safe bet at wide receiver in those mid-rounds in that offense for sure. All right, we're going to go to the team I have finishing in the cellar in the a- the NFC West, the San Francisco 49ers. And the main reason why, I'll start off with the main reason why I don't think they're going to have a good season, is the backfield is just, just so convoluted and confusing. Nobody really knows who the guy is going to be fantasy-wise. It's tough. I'm leaning, is it Brita? Is it Coleman? McKinnon, I guess, is off the charts right now because he's hurt. So you really got this battle between Brita and Coleman, and they're kind of the same guy. I personally would lean Tevin Coleman at this time. He's got a history with the coaching staff there. Brita's looked really good in the offseason, so they're really a true one-two punch for me. But if I had to choose one, if somebody said, look, I don't want to take both, I have to choose one, I would lean towards Tevin Coleman. I think he's going to do more for Shanahan out of the – and give Garoppolo as well that outlet in the passing game. Breida's pretty good in the passing game as well. He's got very good hands. I think it's going to be a one-two, but I do think Coleman's going to get the heavier share going into the season. But that's a running back situation with Coleman and Breida that you got to monitor. Whichever guy you choose, 
just realize you're gonna have to be patient, kind of see how the the chips fall in those first couple weeks. Because either Brita or Coleman have the talent to take over a bigger role. Right now, everything coming out of camp, what everybody's got lined up, it looks like it's gonna be Tevin Coleman with Brita as the change of pace and possibly splitting kind of the third down situations between the two, depending on the play called. It's really a 1A, 1B with those two. They're the same type of player. But right now, I lean Tevin Coleman. He's a guy I have a few shares of. I don't have any of – I actually have Breed on a waiver wire in one league. I'm thinking about taking him and just stashing him at the end of a bench. And Coleman going into this first week, I have him in a couple leagues where I thought about starting him at flex. I just got to wait and see what happens with Breed. I don't know what's going to happen between Breed and Coleman. I can't suggest you starting – drafting or starting them week one. Drafting them to be a starter, either one of those guys. Coleman's getting drafted as a flex in around the sixth, seventh round right now. He needs to be about the eighth, ninth round. And in, in, in the situation that they're in with Breida, there's just no reason why Coleman should be drafted in the sixth round. I understand running backs are off the board pretty quick. You have to do what you have to do in your drafts, and I understand that. But know that drafting Coleman – he would be a risky flex play going into week one. Even playing a a horrible Tampa Bay defense, Tevin Coleman's a little bit risky going into week one. Just because I think he's going to share with Breida, I think they're going to be throwing the ball quite a bit, trying to keep up with that Tampa Bay offense because their defense is going to get torched by Tampa Bay. So week one, if you've already got Coleman, or if you're doing the draft, understand that you're drafting Coleman and Breida to be bench guys' depth at this point to kind of see how that plays out. Garoppolo is a quarterback back in QB2 leagues. He is not a starting top 12 quarterback at this time. Does not need to be drafted. And if he is drafted, he needs to be drafted as a backup at best. There's just He's looked really rough in the preseason. I haven't really seen Garoppolo light it up like he should. He had a few decent games when he first started his stretch of starting uh, some games for the Niners. He looked pretty good. But it's, since the injury, nothing has really shown us that he's back 100% or that he's going to be this superstar. So don't draft him that way. He needs to be at the end of drafts or on a waiver wire. Receiving core is a little bit interesting to me because I have a couple favorites on there that nobody else everywhere that I've drafted them. I get funny looks and a lot of people, you know, are not too high on them because they're in that San Francisco offense. Let me get the starters out of the way. The starters are going to be Pettis and Goodwin. I do not have any shares of either one of these guys in any of my fantasy leagues because they are being drafted way too high for me. Goodwin's actually going at the back of drafts. He's just a guy I'm not drafting. Dante Pettis is being drafted in the 6th, 7th round. That is too high. He's 8th, ninth round for me, and that's why I never get him. So it's really up to you. If you like Pettis, you're a Niners fan or whatever, you're going to have to go up and get him in the 6th, 7th round. And I just don't think he's going to be there at the end of the year. He's been very disappointed in the preseason. He's had his little flash moments. I think he could be a piece in a receiving core. But the guys that I like are the guys, the rookies that they drafted this year. Debo Samuel and Jalen Hurd. Debo Samuel's out of South Carolina, six foot two fifteen, runs like the wind. He's got talent all over the place. I, the guy can do it all. Do I think he's going to blow up week one? No. But I've got him in a few of my leagues where I'm setting him on the bench. I'm going to let a few weeks go by, and I want to see what happens. Or keep an eye on him on those waivers. Put him on your watch list. Debo Samuel, not starting week one. Draft him at the back of drafts. But I do think he could be, by the end of the year, him and Garoppolo, I think are going to have a decent connection. I think he could jump over either Goodwin or Pettis. Goodwin is a back-of-the-draft guy. He will be their starting wide receiver, too. Pettis, like I said, will be around the 6th, 7th round guy. I would wait a little bit even later than that, but he will be their wide receiver one. Samuel will be the wide receiver three slash slot gadget guy. Jalen Hurd is hurt, but when he comes back, he is going to be their true gadget guy. He's got a ton of talent. Nobody's drafting him. He's a guy you need to let happen on waivers, but put a little star by him. I got him in a few of my dynasty leagues, and I'm going to sit on that kid. Jalen Hurd, rookie wide receiver for the Niners from Baylor. 6'4", 230. He's got hands. 
don't sleep on this kid. By the, I'd say by middle of the year, he's going to be their wide receiver three. He's going to be their gadget play guy. They even like him, they say, in the preseason and in camp, they loved him in the red zone. He's a 6'4 kid with good hands. Jalen Hurd. Not draftable at this time. If you're drafting over the next couple of days, I do not suggest drafting him. He will be sitting there for you on the waiver wire. Most people aren't even going to know who he is. Debo Samuel's a little bit. There are a lot, quite a bit of people that are aware of him. There's some rumbling about him. So Debo Samuel, you need to understand. If you want him, you need to definitely draft him, but at the back of drafts. Tight end. Not much needs to be said here. George Kittle is top three. Could be just number two ahead of Arts. Like he's that good. But he's right there with Kelsey. Kelsey's a little bit even. For, I think Kelsey's by himself. He's in that Gronk category by himself right now. But Ertz and Kittle are right there next to each other. So if you get in that second, third round, and you want to mix it up a little bit, you got two receivers, or you got a good running back receiver, and you want to go ahead and knock out having the best tight end, possibly the best tight end in the game, and maybe Ertz and Kelsey are already taken at that time. Go get yourself Kittle. I don't suggest taking Ertz or Kelsey after Kittle but if those guys are gone you get to that second third round area I've even seen him go in the fourth round George Kittle is a great great tight end with great hands he is Gronk light it's exactly what he is he reminds me of a little bit smaller version of Gronkowski the defense has zero fantasy relevance and that's going to do it, guys. We covered the NFC North and the NFC West divisions today. We will continue to cover all the divisions. And by Thursday, we will have all the teams, fantasy-relevant players on each team covered going into the season. I want to wish everybody a good luck going into the season. I appreciate everybody for listening today. And I'm on my way out, guys. Until next time, I'm out.